Hey y'all, I'm Jordan Gill, host of the System Samey podcast. More entrepreneurs are seeking freedom and flexibility, but how does that really happen? Systems, of course. I'm lifting the hood to my successful life first business, sharing strategies and thought-provoking prompts to how your business can accomplish the same for you. Let's get it. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the System Samey podcast. And today is a fun episode that was inspired by Brooke, who is a strategy save me client. And she asked me this question and I knew it was not going to be a quick answer. (laughs) And so I decided to make a podcast episode about it. And I told her, hi, I will be right back. I'm going to record a podcast episode and then I'll share it with you here in our Slack channel. She's like, wonderful. So thank you, Brooke. Um, This episode is really centered around Brooke's question of, you know, what are the two to three things to focus on when trying to get to the million dollar mark? Now, I am not somebody who uh, puts a lot of emphasis on the revenue marks in business in the sense that I don't have like, you know, six figure VIP day or million dollar whatever. And not that those things are wrong or bad or anything like that. It just usually my like revenue goals are something that I keep to myself, which we'll get to in a second. Uh, but I do think it's a, it's a fair question to ask about what you should focus on getting to a million dollars because I think that everyone's answer will be different. And I think that there's value in each person sharing their perspective. So I know other people who have hit multiple million dollar year marks, um, similar to me, and they may have different things to say. Uh, and so I figure, you know what, I might as well share my perspective and again, people can take it or leave it and that's totally fine. So my first, I'm going to share three things. My first thing to focus on when getting to the million is your numbers, which I know a lot of people are already going to stop this podcast two and a half minutes in because it's not what you want to hear. <laughs> but it is essential. It, it truly is a non-negotiable. There's just, it is so stressful otherwise. It's confusing otherwise. It is an emotional roller coaster. And I think people who don't end up getting to that number, but fully intended to, it's because they really did not understand the numbers game. So here's what I mean by that. There are basically four numbers that I cared about. Number one was number of traffic sources. So how many times was I posting on social, putting an ad out, uh, doing a guest podcast, speaking on a stage, bringing traffic into my business? How many traffic sources was I doing a month? 
right? So for me, it mainly was relationship paid and organic. Uh, we don't necessarily focus on search per se um, a ton, but uh, we do focus on those other three. Paid is probably the one we focus on the least, while we really focus on relationship and organic. The second number I care about, number of email leads. And not just any email leads, email leads that are specific to VIP days. So uh, if you're new to me, my first uh, over million dollar year was in 2021. My second over million dollar year was 2022. Uh, so 2021, I made 1.2. 2023, I made 1.3. So uh, the reason I only cared about email leads that were specific to VIP days was because it doesn't make sense for me to count email subscribers that aren't specific to obviously done in a day program. And so I, yeah, I really focused on that through our roadmap, which is our free guide. And then secondly, our uh, quiz. And then also our boot camp that was $37 and our virtual conference, stuff like that too. Um, but number of email leads, number three was number of applications. So this, this number got tricky because for the first year and a half, it was an application. And then in 2022, it was actually a booked sales call. So, uh, we did test that. And while our, well, I'm going to get into that in a minute, number of applications, and then the last number I cared about was number of clients. That's, those are the four numbers that I watched like a hawk. So additional numbers that I wanted to know were like revenue attribution because I wanted to know what activities, what traffic sources um, were leading to not only the highest number of end clients that were joining our done day program, but also how long it took each of those um, traffic sources to become clients. So somebody from my roadmap, for example, I knew took an average of 90 days to become a done in a day client. I knew that quiz people took 150 some days to become a client, right? I knew that information. The reason it was important for me to know that information was because I was playing the new audience growth game, the wide game, where I needed to build a decent sized audience in order to hit my revenue goals. That is the opposite of a deep game, which is somewhat what I'm playing now, where I'm creating more products for the same audience members that I have. Neither is good, bad, right, or wrong. You just get to decide and that's going to adjust where you're spending your time. If you're spending your time on the wide game, you're going to spend a heck of a ton of time in the marketing aspect. If you're doing the deep game, you're going to be spending a lot of your time in the creation of the different delivery and courses and trainings and stuff like that. Okay, so I thought it would be helpful for, to break down some of those numbers in 2020, 2021, and 2022 as, um, again, 2020 is a helpful benchmark. So in 2020, I made 429,000. 
I had 3,655 new email leads specific to VIP days. Number of applications was 363. So that means that 9% of the people who became email leads ended up applying for my program. And then clients were 85. And so out of the 363 that applied, 23% became clients. Very simple, right? 2021 came along. 2021 was such a magical year. Uh, But prospects that we had that year. So 2021 was 1.2 million. The prospects were 8,382. And then that meant that's new prospects. That's not including the current people I have on my list. So new prospects, new email leads. Uh, Applications were 1,367. And that was 16% of the people who were new email leads or prospects as we called them. Then in 2021, we had 212 clients. So 15% of the people who applied joined. Now, again, if just a reminder, as you're listening to this, uh, the percentage in 2020 for clients was 23%. The, uh, as far as a conversion rate, and then the percentage for clients in 2021 was 15%. So it actually decreased. And the suggestion that everybody and their mom told me to do was to do sales calls, which would increase conversions, which is true, which I already knew. Um, and so it it was like moving the Titanic and I'm not saying everyone needs to do it, but, um, for me, it was not the best decision. Uh, so 2022, uh, we made 1.3 million. The number of email leads and prospects we had were 7,027. The applications were 410. Now, this is where we changed the applications to booked sales calls, but also there was a moment for about a month and a half that we did do actual applications as well. So yeah, that number is kind of messed up. But anyway, so only 5% of prospects, people who actually were specific like email leads to VIP days, 5% became applications. That was not great. (laughs) That was not great friends. So that was a lot of work to get 7,000 people to then only have 5% apply. Then we ended up having 164 clients. So that was 40% of the people who booked calls or did the application ended up joining. And, you know, again, that, that was a very high percentage, but again, it was such a hurdle to get people on sales calls that in my opinion, that wasn't worth it. So to each his own. Again, knowing your numbers is essential because I was able to make decisions based on facts and not emotions. And I think that's what a lot of people end up doing is like, well, I feel like this is where I need to go with this next step. I feel like this is what's wrong. I feel like this is the thing that I should be doing in my strategy, even though I literally hate Instagram. Okay. I really, it's a fine line, y'all. It's a fine line because I would say that I have trained my gut to 
be pretty factual. Like I'm, I'm constantly looking at the quality and quantity of facts that I'm being given on a daily basis. And I will make some offer decisions based on that. But as far as marketing decisions, things like that, like I don't want to make those decisions based off of feelings necessarily. Um, so again, I kept track of these numbers and it was very easy for me to pull these numbers because it helps steer the ship, right? So if I knew what my standard conversion rates were and I saw one month that they were down, well, then we need to make up for that the next month. And how are we going to make up for that? Is Was it the number of email leads were down or the number of applications that was down? Or maybe I didn't do enough uh, traffic sources that month and that's why our whole funnel then was reduced. So it takes a guessing game out of what you should be working on. It, it literally erases it. It makes it so much easier, right? So knowing your numbers is 100% something you got to focus on if on your way to a million dollars. Otherwise, it's going to be very emotional, very loosey-goosey, very stressful um, because you don't really know what's working and what's not working and you may be wasting your time on, on activities that aren't actually bearing any fruit and you don't have the luxury of doing that when you have the goal of a million dollars. So that's number one. Number two, <laughs> hiring, which is a whole world word, which again, if you uh, go back to an episode in January that talks about um, the mistake that I made in 2022, which was over hiring. So sorry to give you the punchline, but, uh, hiring. So the reason I put hiring here is because can you make a million dollars as one person? Absolutely. There's a dude who created a Google Chrome plugin that's made him $10 million a year. Okay. It's possible. It's cool. And that's not my reality as somebody who has limited energetic capacity. There's no way that me, Jordan Gill, could have made a million dollars by myself simply based on the fact of my time and energetic limitations. I also did not want to, to, again, you think about it on a, on a purely leverageable scale, right? So if you're sick, and yet things still have to happen. And again, servicing 200 and some clients in our group coaching program, ain't no way I would have been able to service 212 clients by myself while also marketing, while also selling. Like, no, please don't do that to yourself. So um, what I want to talk about with hiring is that you're going to have this insane, not even insane, but you're going to have this unattainable thirst to be able to get every hire in your business right the first time, right? And that doesn't mean that that people aren't good fits or people will leave or whatever the case is. You are going to want this. You're going to look for a unicorn every single time that you hire just because you've heard the horror stories or you've experienced horror stories. And I got to tell you, it's not always possible. 
you know, um, Alice was my very first hire almost four years ago. Wonderful, awesome, super grateful. Um, Christy was my third project manager, or is my third project manager. And Cole was my second systems coordinator manager. So again, Trina um, was my first ops coordinator and she's been here for almost three years. So, or for exactly three years. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, I don't want this to be discouraging. What I want to try and do is release the pressure <laughs> because I think sometimes we just white knuckle so badly that then we don't adequately, I don't know how to say this. We don't adequately understand the best way to manage and lead and bring on great fit hires, right? And this is, this is really what I want to talk about. And the bulk here is to think about who would be a great fit for your team, not just the tasks. I'm literally not even going to talk about that here. I'm talking about this simple question. What would make people uncomfortable working for you? And no, I'm not kidding. (laughs) I, I literally have a list. I know a list of things that would make people uncomfortable to work with me. For example, <clears throat> you would absolutely hate working for me if you love meetings. If your inclination is, hey, let's just hop on a quick 10 15er to, you know, hash this stuff out, I will reject you every time. Um, yeah, because that's just not how I operate. I don't, pretty much the only person I do that to is either Christy or Cole. And that's usually because. It has to be talked out in that way, but that's not an every week scenario. That may not even be an every month scenario, but it's, I do not like meetings. Okay. Absolutely hate them. So if you like meetings and we say this on our, on our job descriptions, literally, if you like meetings or if you are somebody who likes to just hop on calls whenever you need them, this is literally going to be the worst environment for you. And there are people on my team who are much more open to meetings than I am. However, we aren't really a meeting team. Like we meet when it's necessary because it's wasted time for a bunch of people to sit on a call and not be getting the work done, right? And so that's just how we've created that culture, right? So yeah, you you would hate being on my team. Something else that you would hate if if you are somebody who believes in the mantra that's not in my wheelhouse, also you would hate being on my team. Now, do people have their specialties? A hundred and ten percent. But I told every single person when they were hired with me, twenty percent of your time is probably going to be doing stuff that you don't like to do, which I cannot. I like every single job anywhere is going to have stuff in it that you're not going to like to do, including mine. (laughs) There's probably a higher percentage of stuff that I have to do that I don't like doing, but that's besides the point. Like if you have this like, well, that's not really like what I do, or that's not really on my like task list or whatever. Like if it's truly something you can't do, 
that's another conversation. But if it's something that you just are, you aren't a team player, you're not going to like being on our team. It's just, it's, you're just going to hate it. Also, if you like being checked in on daily, you're not going to like being on my team. <laughs> we, we don't do that. Um, yeah, I just, I, I would find it annoying. Um, and so therefore I don't have my team do it. Now, do I actually know if my managers do this? I actually have no idea. Maybe they do. And I actually have no idea what I'm talking about, but uh, for the most part of what I understand, like both my departments. So I have my growth department and then my ops department, ops department operations. Uh, my marketing team meets once a week as one large team. And then my um, ops department has one-on-ones and I let my managers decide how they wanted to do it. I was like, I do not care. However you want to do it. However you, we want to spend your time. I don't care when it happens. Y'all decide. And I just have my one leadership meeting on Wednesdays with Christy and Alice. And that's, and we call it a day. Other things that would make people uncomfortable working for me. I, if it, you're uncomfortable with me being transparent about stuff, you know, there's, I know where the line is, I think, um, when it comes to sharing about my team. Um, I guess they'll let me know if not, but, uh, like if they're uncomfortable with me saying their name in public or like shouting them out for things, you're also going to be uncomfortable with my team because I'm going to, I'm going to do that. That's just what I'm going to do. Right. So I have a list of things that when we're talking to somebody and we'll even ask, so the meetings one, for example, we will ask a question in the interview and say like, okay, if you just like are trying to figure out something, um, right. Say we give you this project and you aren't quite sure exactly how it should be done or whatever the case is, like what steps would you take to figure out what needs to be done? The answer to that is the the best answer to that is going to depend on the company that you're in. Again, for our company, we do not want to hear that you're going to try and get a meeting on our calendar. Like that's an automatic, literally you will hate being on my team. Bless and release, right? That's a, that's an automatic. Like I don't even want to try and convince the person to do anything else. Like it's just not going to work out. Okay. So again, it may be silly or feel weird for that to be a question that you really think about, but it's really, really important because you want people who are going to fit and thrive in the environment that you have. And yes, are there things that I could do better as a leader? 110%. And there are things that I'm just not going to (laughs) do again, like a ton of meetings. Also, something I like to think about is their decision-making process. So I like to know how they make decisions. So for example, when I hired Alice, I had her in a, with a project um, go to Upwork and find three graphic designers. And she had this budget, a certain budget, and she needed to find links and profiles to actual graphic designers and let me know why she would hire one of those three graphic designers and then ultimately which one she would choose and why. 
I did that because Alice was going to end up having to hire a graphic designer and a video editor and manage those people. And so I wanted to know what she looks for in team members, right? Because she's going to be involved in that, in that process. So I need to understand her decision-making there. And one last thing on this, on this bullet point is I think the people who started their group programs around the same time as my, as I did and didn't quite get to the seven figure mark. Hiring was the number one biggest hangout. Hands down, hands down. That was their biggest hangout because I wasn't afraid to hire in quotations. I, not that I wasn't like, okay, this is a lot, but I, I, I wasn't, I really hired before I needed to. That is not what I'm suggesting other people to do also, by the way. I'm just giving you facts about me. Is that I hired before I needed to. Like literally, uh, when was that? Um, right when I opened up my program for the very first time, done in a day. I had Alice Taylor and Katrina on my team, all marketing department. And I knew, knew that I needed an ops coordinator and Trina, a project manager, Whitney at the time, and then a coach, which was Lauren at the time. And so I hired Trina, Whitney, and Lauren as I was selling done in a day in hopes that it would make sense for me to hire these people. <laughs> right. And so I trusted that and I leaned into that. Um, and it worked out in my, in my favor, but I, um, I think that that was something that I just really believed in was I need a team. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I can do all this by myself. So I wanted to stack the chips in my favor. And again, that worked. And I did a pretty good job of understanding the cadence of that until 2022 when I overhired. Again, I'm not going to rehash that whole story. You can go listen to it in one of my January preamble episodes. I think it was the second one. Um, but yeah, so hiring to get to a million dollars. I believe that you will have to hire now. How many people? I don't know, but you will have to delegate. You will have to let somebody else in. Again, I know people who've hired one person um, on their team to get to a million, and it was a general VA who did a bunch of stuff, but they had one funnel to one course, and that's it. And they put a ton of money on Facebook ads. And like that was their way to a million. I know somebody else who had a couple people on their team um, more on the sales side, and they did it that way. There's so many ways to get to a million. So again, I want to reiterate that this is just a factual, um, suggestive episode on my part. And you can take what feels good and leave what doesn't, right? So number two for things to focus on to get to a million is hiring. Number three. And again, this is, this is very much my opinion. Um, I kept my goals to myself. So, and really by that, I mean like my team also knew my goals, but I didn't shout from the rooftops preemptively that I was going to be having a million dollar year in 2021. That, that was not something that I shared publicly. 
It was with my team and I, and that was it. And so the reason I'm sharing that is because I know a lot of people who preemptively shout, this is going to be my million dollar year and don't make that. So then it's like awkward. It's like awkward when you feel the need to share then that you like, you didn't hit your goal. And then like, what do it just feels strange and not that you can't share when you don't reach a goal. It's not what I'm saying. It's just more of a, the focus is so much on impressing the outside world about the goals that you have, that then you don't focus on actually what it takes to hit that goal. So I would rather focus on the action on getting to the million dollars behind the scenes and then celebrate it when I hit it within nine months of 2021 instead of 12 months, right? So my goal was in 12 months, make a million dollars, but we did it in nine months, right? So again, I, I don't have a an issue with people who do this. I'm not a hater. I, I really, it doesn't affect my life in any way, shape or form. I just know that I think because I'm the kind of person that I have a, I have somewhat of a quiet power to me because I do do a lot of really amazing things and I don't share them enough. And I will admit that. And that's why this year is leading from example and being more forthright and upfront about the things that I've accomplished or the ways that I've done business. And I, I think that that is important. And because our industry is just so weird about revenue. I mean, it really is. Um, because it's so weird about revenue. Like I, I don't, I don't think that it's a, the best use of your time to keep convincing people that you're going to hit this number on a public forum to like get clients. I think that's more or less like what I'm talking about. And even like, again, you know, I'm, I wasn't selling people like a million dollar business program. I was selling VIP days. And so maybe it didn't make sense for me and maybe it makes sense for other people. But I know that I don't, I don't need to prove myself to anybody. I don't, I don't need to justify anything. I just am going to set my goal and then I'm going to look at my numbers. I'm going to hire the right people to back me up and we're going to hit the goal. Like that's what I know. And so that just feels better for me and fuels my fire. I'm somebody who's very intrinsically motivated and I don't really get motivated by other people doing stuff. Um, it doesn't affect how I see myself and my goals. Like I just, it's like, okay, cool. Like Sally Mae and Susie Q are doing their own thing, you know, and it, it doesn't have anything to do with me. So that's something that I think, again, in my humble opinion, is important is to stop focusing on convincing other people about specifically revenue goals um, 
and focus on what are the actions I need to take? What are the numbers I need to hit? Who are the resources and people that I need to have on my team to make this goal happen? And then, and then share it when it does, right? And even when I, when I hit my first million, if, uh, the post probably isn't even actually on my profile anymore because we've switched over to the magazine grid. But on that date, I literally just typed a note and I was watching the Big Brother finale in September and I was like crying, <laughs> um, because the first black person, um, one big brother and I saw and I went and just checked Stripe because it's fun let's be honest and I saw that it had gone over the million dollar mark and I was like oh my gosh I thought this would feel different (laughs) being completely honest I didn't think I was going to be one of those people I did not think I was going to be one of those people who says like, oh, like you don't really feel like how you think you're going to feel. But I was one of those people. Like I, it just was another day of me watching trash TV and like nothing changed. There was no sparkle or anything. Of course, I, I reflected on that moment, but it wasn't some big fanfare. And I just wrote a little in my notes app and I took a screenshot and posted it on my feed and was really you know excited about it but again I didn't in January of that year say I was gonna have a million dollar year publicly and I think that for me as an intrinsically motivated person that worked well for me now if you're an extrinsically motivated person meaning that you are motivated by people sharing their goals and shouting your goals out loud, then ignore this. Ignore the, ignore what I just said. Um, because it's, it doesn't apply to you. But for me, I like, I like the satisfaction of the sacredness of hitting my goals. Um, that just feels really good for me. Uh, okay. So my three things to focus on recapping this is knowing your numbers is essential. Hiring. (laughs) That's a whole word right there. Just hiring. (laughs) And then keeping my goals to myself um, and my team. Technically, those are the three things I would focus on because everything else doesn't matter. Like I did do a rebrand at the end of 2020. Yes, it was lovely and I enjoyed the experience and all of that, but um, that wasn't a focus of ours because it was just about the numbers. Business is a numbers game. It just is. And so it's important to keep that at the top of your priority list and to know those things. It's super empowering when you do. It really, really is. And I think also part of 2022 that was frustrating for me was I didn't have the numbers um, for my sales team. And it was really frustrating for me because I didn't know what was going on. Um, And that wasn't great for me. So I encourage you, you if you feel that this year is the year to hit the million dollar mark, 
it's an awesome experience. It's an awesome milestone. Like, and if also you don't care about the milestone, also cool, like high fives, a hundred percent. And I don't want you to feel shame if you do want that, if that is something that you're interested in. And, you know, I think that it's totally doable. And, um, again, I hit my first seven figure year five years in, which I'm very proud of. And, you know, it's, um, as, as a 31 year old and, you know, how many people can say that you think about the stats of women owned businesses and then black women owned businesses. Like I am a 1% in, in that, in that way. And so that's not to be taken for granted or to just be shuffled under the rug. That's a really big deal. And also it doesn't define me. Right. And who was I talking to? I was talking to, um, Tanya, my, uh, Q1 strategy saving client. Um, and she asked me like, how do you feel about like the fangirling that you get? Which I'm gonna be honest, I don't get a ton. So it's not, this is, I live a very normal life. I can go to the grocery store and nobody cares. And, but people do recognize me in, in some places. And so I laughed and said that I keep friends of mine that are not from this world who literally have no idea really what I do or what's happening or any of that stuff. And they just know me for me. And that helps to remind me that like this business online business world, isn't my full identity. It doesn't define me that I was able to hit this mark in my business. It's just something that I've done and that's cool. And yet like, you know, I'm, I'm a good person and I am a good friend and a good sister and a good daughter and a good wife and all those things. Those things are very important to me. So, you know, I, I want to encourage you because I think there's the two sides of the spectrum. One of which is I don't care about hitting the million dollar mark. And seriously, I like commend you and I think it's amazing. And I don't think everyone needs to hit it. Um, and also if you want to hit it, dope let's do it you know i don't think that either way is should feel any sort of shame like it's you it's your business so don't feel as though you're having to create this narrative around what you want just because you see that other people are wanting it um because that's that's not going to last very long for you so anywho uh, this is a part one. And then I thought it would be fun to share a part two tomorrow. That is, um, what are two or three things that will keep you from making a million dollars? So what are some hurdles that if you can't get over that a million dollars will not happen for you? I thought it'd be fun. I like to flip it on its head, flip it and reverse it. Missy Elliott style. And, uh, yeah, let me know what you thought of the episode. DM me on Instagram, um, at system save me. And, uh, I guess you'll be hearing from me tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the system save me podcast. Make sure to follow us on Instagram for daily advice or LinkedIn. If that's more of your jam. 
Let me know if anything resonated with you by DMing me or tagging me in stories. 